0: A few quick notes before today's episode. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate it on Apple or other platforms where you listen. This is a huge part of helping us grow and it's much appreciated. This series is produced by Authentic, a full service brand and digital marketing studio that specializes in real estate development and leasing. We work with forward thinking developers and property managers to create and then capitalize on demand for their properties. Our team at Authentic is built specifically for the commercial real estate industry, and we plug in every step of the way. Find out more at AuthenticFF.com. Finally, we want to hear from you. Email your feedback and ideas, as well as who else we should have on the show, to podcast at AuthenticFF.com. On this episode, I'm speaking with Sarah Graham, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Beacon Communities. With more than two decades of experience in the real estate industry, Sarah sits at the intersection of marketing, operations, and technology, working to foster innovation and drive occupancy and rent growth. Her areas of expertise include marketing strategy, brand management, and evaluating and implementing new technologies impacting leasing, operations, and the customer experience. A frequent speaker and moderator at national industry conferences, Sarah has served on a number of committees and advisory boards during her career. Currently, she serves as the vice chair of the National Multifamily Housing Council's Marketing and Resident Experience Committee, and also sits on Zillow's Multifamily Rental Advisory Board and the Multifamily Social Media Summit Advisory Board. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. Let's jump right in. So Sarah, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's been a little bit, a little bit of a time coming. I'm excited. I finally got a little bit of your, your time off your busy schedule. And, um, I want to, like I always like to do, start with upbringing and kind of where you come from and what, what the roots look like for you personally. I know that you've lived in and around Boston your entire life, which, um, as we discussed previously, it's, it's sort of a rarity these days with how much everyone moves around and kind of changes, you know, jobs and careers and family life takes some, (laughs) all across the country tell us what your early years were like and and how do you always had your eye on kind of this real estate space as you were growing up
1: yeah great question definitely an anomaly in that i've lived within an hour of boston for most of my life including my childhood i've been fortunate to travel a lot but boston has always been home and you know to your question of um did i always have my eye on marketing Um, Kind of. I mean I think as uh when I was in high school, at the time I was in high school, I knew I wanted to do something in PR and marketing, but I wasn't really sure what that meant or what that could be. Um I, I sort of said, Oh, I'm going to be a, a PR maven and work in Boston, New York, something um for a big agency. And I think that's what I originally um, set out to do, but real estate was definitely never on my radar. Um yeah. I think that's true for a lot of us though, even Those of us that I would call it lifers. (laughs) We've been in the industry for a long time. But in high school I said, okay, PR is where I think I want to go. And so I was an English major at Colby College, which is a really small private college in Maine. And I credit that liberal arts education to helping me learn how to think critically, really how to think about an interesting question or problem how to write a compelling statement, uh, which is certainly something as a marketer um, is important. I would argue for any business leader, it's a really important skill to have. And then I think the third thing that I learned was how to connect the dots, it, you know, sort of a tangent on thinking critically, but how do you um, think big picture and really learn how to see the force for the trees?
0: Mm, yeah, that's great. To your earlier comment there, I don't think too many people are seeking real estate earlier in their careers, at least from the folks I've spoken to. There there are a few here and there. I, I feel like maybe it's already in the family and they kind of see it as they grow up. But a lot of us kind of stumble into real estate. I think it's really fascinating from that perspective. Talk to us a little bit about your career trajectory. And I want to make sure that we jump right into this because it's really cool. And that's one of the reasons why I had been following you for a while and you know, sought you out to to bring you onto the podcast. But... Let's jump right into that. So you did attend Colby College in Maine. Uh, you kind of were cutting your teeth kind of on this like uh, English major, connecting the dots trajectory early on. And the way I understand it though, is you've returned to Boston and Boston proper at this point, And you dove right into what we, you know, affectionately call agency life. Tell us a little bit about that, that kind of early phase.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I graduated from college and about a month later, I moved to Boston lived downtown and I worked at an agency um, for about a year in their PR division. So my, my dream was becoming reality and I was so excited. That year was really rocky for me. And I wasn't really um, probably prepared for the competitive nature of working in a large agency. And for me personally, it was challenging in all the wrong ways. Um, I think there are some people that thrive in that environment. I unfortunately was not one of them, and I really struggled to make it work. And after about a year, we mutually agreed that I would be better off in another environment. And so that was a really hard lesson to learn at 23 when I was yeah. sure that again I was just born to be this um, PR maven. And you know that was a that was a wake up call for me.
0: Yeah, the the agency, especially in a big city. Yeah. You know, when I left school, I went to Denver, which at the time wasn't quite the big city that it is today. But I can only imagine, you know, I started my my career kind of in the agency world as well, but certainly not in the New York, Boston kind of LA scene, so to speak. So I can only imagine that that was that was pretty tough. You actually pivoted into real estate at this time, and it's not really the story that we would all imagine. You you ended up applying for a marketing coordinator role, if I recall correctly, at a company that is now actually JLL, a part of JLL. Um, But that whole situation did not go as planned. And it's really not kind of like the carpet being unrolled for you. The red carpet was not there for you at that time, so to speak. You kind of fell into real estate, but I want you to walk us through what that early transition phase was like for you into that next step. Yeah. Um,
1: You know, Like you said, I really fell into it or stumbled into it. Um, It was unintentional, not at all on my radar. And I think unlike many of my peers who started out leasing apartments, um, I like to say I grew up on the corporate side of the business. The short story is I applied for a marketing coordinator role at what is now Jones Lang LaSalle and thought that I had nailed this interview. I was so excited. I loved everyone I met with. The um, culture seemed wonderful. And I got a call and they said, we really like you, but we've hired somebody else. And I was devastated because I said, oh my gosh, I thought, you know, I found mm. my home and was ready to jump in and, and really roll up my sleeves. And they said, have you ever thought about being an executive assistant? And I truthfully didn't know what that was. um was only 23 and the agency I had worked for, um, I, I wasn't exposed to any EAs and So I met with this chairman and he was wonderful. And I said, you know, in my own mind and to him out loud, I'm not really sure that I want to be an assistant, but in hindsight, that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And that role opened so many doors and I learned so much in that role, working for the chairman and with other departments in the company. I mean, it was truly um, just a crash course in how to think about asking smart questions, networking, hard work, professionalism. Um, and then the other thing I really learned from that role is to never burn a bridge. Um, mm. More than a decade after leaving that role, some former colleagues actually became clients. So oh, wow! <laughs> the thing about multifamily real estate is it is an incredibly small world. And then if you stay in one geography, like I have for so many years, um, it becomes even that much smaller. So it it really um, could not have been a better start to learning about real estate and and all of the different nuances um, that the industry holds. And so less than a year after I took that role, there was a position that opened up in the development services group, kind of a, a junior project assistant, project associate role. And so I actually ended up getting to do PR. I got to sort of tie my my previous experience and passion in and got to do some public relations work for the development group on um, what is now actually a big chunk of the Seaport neighborhood in Boston. Um, hmm. So this is 20 some odd years ago. Um, so yeah. come full circle and you, know, you go to Seaport today and it is Driving, there's
0: so much happening there but at that point in time it was just a big parking lot right so you're you know for lack of a better phrase i'll just say it your pr maven wings are <laughs> <laughs> they're coming out you know not you're starting to,
1: yeah <laughs> not fully
0: open yet right but you're 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 flapping them around you're yeah. finding your place um as you said like you're getting some great experience that you never anticipated you would through the role that you had but and there's always a but in these stories, um, and it's just a matter of what do we do. What do we do with those butts? And a, and a big one happened, uh, and that was nine eleven. So nine eleven happened, and the work that you were doing, the the project that you were working on, screeched to a halt, understandably, um, and that role um, was eliminated. So wow, yeah, really, re- yeah, really tough start there to the career. And I think um, you know a lot of people would kind of throw the towel in and say, forget it. You know. I'm, I'm going to go do something else. So I'm going to, you know, go back with my tail between my legs and um, kind of try to figure it out, but you didn't necessarily do that. It was a really, you know, uncertain time for a lot of people. How did you handle that? What was your what was your mindset like? And it's not like you were, you know, a woman 10, 15, 20, 30 years into her career. You were still kind of a young whippersnapper with, there you I know, am. bright eye- <laughs> bright eyes. So, where did things take you next?
1: You know, that was a really interesting time. The day I was laid off, um, I mean, talk about serendipity. A friend of mine called and she said, Hey, I know you love your job, but my company's hiring for someone in marketing. And I immediately thought of you. And I said, well, as it happens, (laughs) I might be looking. And so, um, it truly the same day, it was one of those crazy things, but, um, incredibly lucky. And, I shifted into the commercial mortgage space. I ended up working for um, a privately owned company doing commercial mortgages for multifamily. And so learned a completely different side of the business. My role in marketing, I was doing a lot of PR, um, started to learn more about branding and why that mattered, and learned a completely different side of the business where um, I was exposed to all of the different financing structures that really make... um, the world go around and make things happen in our world so um that was a great experience and i again learned a lot um every single role i've uh ever had i've been really fortunate to learn something major um and then i like to think that everyone can say that about every role that they have but i I consider myself especially fortunate for that
0: Mm. Yeah, cuz at this point you were you had been marketing coordinator, you've done some PR, you were executive assistant, you kind of learned the ins and outs kind of behind the scenes and yeah. now you were on the yeah, on the 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 mortgage side of things for multifamily that already is like talk about the number of like tools in your toolkit already at that time was yeah. pretty incredible. But again, yet again, something happened. So. And <laughs> so here we are again. What happened what happened next because this is almost a little bit comical at this point, but um, your role was eliminated again. What happened there, and, and kind of where did you go after that point?
1: Yeah, um, the company was sold, and so my role was eliminated. And at the same time, um, I had been starting to think about going back to school for a master's, and really was trying to figure out, um, you know, what does that look like? Do I go get an MBA? Do I pursue something a master's in real estate, urban planning? Um, a master's in marketing. And so I was um, not planning on leaving my role, to be very clear. Um, My plan was always to go to school at night and continue to work full time. Um, And so where the the timing of all of that happened, I ended up starting my graduate program while I was in between jobs. And that whole time was really um, formative in that I got really clear about wanting to work on the owner manager side. I think after having worked for a real estate services company and then a commercial mortgage company, I knew I wanted to keep working in real estate, but to be closer to the action. So I that I was consulting kind of part-time and starting my graduate program and really was focused on that, but was keeping my eyes open for something that um would put me closer to the action.
0: Yeah. Let's let's dive into that because that's that's Maybe the one of the core themes as to why i I'm so thankful that you're on the on the podcast today, and that is just a very strong female leader. your next few stops, so to speak, in your career were really catalyzing for, for you in terms of where you find yourself today and I want to dive into those experiences and get your 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 thoughts and your insights um and your kind of like lessons learned from those experiences because you know the the old kind of adage is it's a very male dominated space, or at least it had been traditionally a very male dominated space. Um, that is real estate, and I have to imagine that there are young women listening to this to this podcast that are coming up in their careers or maybe trying to think about where they want to head next. So let's dive into that. I, I really want you to kind of share with us um, both at Northland and then at Dolbin. You had some pretty incredible experiences as a young female leader, kind of ascending the ranks. In these, you know, important marketing roles. So, if you don't mind, let's start with Northland and kind of talk us walk us through and, and, and tell us a little bit about what that was like for you at that point in your career.
1: Sure, absolutely. You know, it's a funny story um, of how I got my foot in the door at Northland. As I mentioned, I was attending grad school, um, was running a volunteer group. I was consulting and, um, you know, all the while had my feelers open for feelers out rather for my next, um, stop, you know, full-time role. And I saw a role online, um, and it actually had been posted by an external recruiter, um, that I knew. And so I called him and said, oh my gosh, this role is my dream role. Please, will you send them my resume? And he said, No, you don't have enough experience. And so I kind of said, Well, rats. <laughs> what about my business? Um, and, you know, kept consulting and just kept, you know, doing my thing. And then I saw the role open again a couple of weeks or months later. And I called him again and I said, Please, I know I am perfect for this role. Can you just get me in the door? I can do the rest. And, long story short, I got hired. And I started as a marketing team of one and was their first true in-house marketer. They had some people who were working in marketing um, or who sort of touched marketing, but that wasn't their full-time role. Mm. And truth be told, there were some elements of that role that were over my head. You know, I didn't have all of the experience that I really needed to hit the ground running 100%. But I have always been someone that really thrives in a growth environment. And so I'm okay with being a little uncomfortable. Um, that to me yeah. is, you know, you're growing, you're learning. You don't have to know everything to be yeah. able to be a great success in a role and to be able to contribute in a meaningful way. So over the um, almost five years that I was with Northland, I ended up building a small team. I worked in my first lease ups. I got to name my first property, which was really cool. Um, for a marketer that's kind of in real estate, that's always something that's fun and exciting. Did a lot of corporate branding, and and really felt like I was able to contribute in a meaningful way and and make a big impact.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love the. I'm the same way, and I and I think it's a trait that uh, not everyone has, but I do think it's something that everyone can learn. Is when you're. When you're faced with something that you you don't have all the answers for, it's you can actually jump in, yeah. dive in, figure it out, trial by fire, you know, kind of uh, whatever the the saying might be. I think it's a really intangible, great quality that a lot of the most successful people have. And clearly, you were uh, thriving in that environment in that stage of your career. What was it after you? Still, you said about five years. What was it at that time that? Kind of made you feel like, hey, you know, it's time for my next challenge. Um, let's make a change here. And what were you looking for at that point? Um, you transitioned to Dolbin um, with the head of marketing. But what was that transition like? Um, what were you seeking, and kind of what what did you feel like was the next step?
1: Yeah, I, I had a great run at Northland, and sometimes you just know when it's time for a new challenge. And I think for me, that's exactly what happened. Um, and it was it was a hard decision to leave Northland and, um, but I I saw a new opportunity come up at Dolben and it was one of those sort of, um, serendipitous things where you see something and you just know that you could really make an impact. And so that's exactly what happened at Dolben. And like Northland, I started at Dolben as a one woman show. Um, so it was, you know, kind of a a shift in that I had had a small team at Northland and came into Dolben and it was just me. And when I walked in the door, I inherited a portfolio of newspaper clippings and a box of cassette tapes (laughs) with radio spots on them, which was wild. And I said, wow, okay, this is, this is, you know, we've got some work to do, but the company was really open to that. And I think this was really the era when technology started to be key mm. to our business and to the customer journey. And you know, the, the old printed apartment guides were just starting to make way for the ILSs at this point. So, you kind of have to yeah. get in the way back machine yeah. with me here. <laughs> but it, it was really a, an incredible opportunity where. When I was at Dolben, I was able to develop my expertise at the intersection of marketing, technology, and operations. And I, I like to say that's kind of where I, I feel like I am making the biggest impact is when those three things intersect.
0: Yeah, that that is. I was just thinking about my dad. Actually, he was uh, he was first a radio DJ back in the day, and then he was an on on air anchor for our local news station. He did the the midday lunch news show back in the day. And I, I remember as a kid walking through the studio and seeing, you know, like the printers going off and like the printed, uh, you know, brochures out on the tables and the phone books everywhere. Definitely was a interesting time. But, you know, as you said, that definitely started making way for new technology and, and where technology started to take hold in, in many industries. You ended up building a really small but mighty team. You were really, and I think this is yes. something that you mentioned to me when we spoke last time, is you were really focused on the operational side of things as well. So you were like working on partnerships. You were working with leadership teams and developers. I have to imagine going back to the analogy of the tools in the toolkit, that was another phase for you where you were really sort of sharpening these new tools to Kind of understand this holistic picture of commercial real estate. What kind of lasting impressions do you have of that Dolben experience? That you feel like, hey, you know, I really did sharpen these like two or three tools. Like, what what are some takeaways that you have?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I am incredibly grateful for the time I had at Dolbin. Um Again, really learned so much about the business um, in multiple aspects of the business. Um, I worked on more than 50 lease-ups in my almost 12 years with the company, was um, really hands-on in working with our properties and our regional managers. My team touched everything from leasing training and curb appeal to revenue management. Um, And I got to deploy and see in action a ton of marketing technology platforms. So think about CRM, call center, chatbots, virtual touring, you know, all of that, um, again, over the evolution of more than a decade, think about how much technology has impacted the multifamily industry and, um, how all those pieces fit together and really what a successful leasing platform looks like and can be. So that was really, um, an incredible experience. And I, I, talk about the toolkit. Um, <laughs> I imagine.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right. Toolkit, toolkit and then, kit and then stuff. like the sidecar toolkit that you have as well.
1: Yes, yeah, the bonus tool.
0: Kit. We're at that phase in your career now. You have a few different toolkits, maybe even the suspender toolkit to hold everything up. <laughs> so you were there for 12 years. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, a couple year round. You were there for a very long time, more than a decade. I think you mentioned to me, you know, it was again, sort of this moment in time where it's, hey, it's time for, an. this is a natural transition moment for me. Where you are today, it's Beacon Communities, um, SVP of marketing there. And I really want to dive into this because I think from a leadership perspective, how you talked to me about how you went into Beacon, kind of with eyes and ears open, I think is really important for young leaders to, to hear and to sort of like allow it to sink in uh, to their own psyches. But um, talk to us about that transition, because I know that was a big one, you know, after 12 years. Talk to us too about once you made that transition, walking in kind of like the beacon door, so to speak, what was your first step there?
1: Yeah. You know, it was really hard to leave Dolben. But again, sometimes you just know when it's time. Um, And this opportunity at Beacon gave me when I was considering, you know, do I move or do I stay? One of the things I really thought about is how do I take everything I've been able to learn in my career? and bring it to the next level. Um, and the opportunity at Beacon was exactly that. Beacon had and has um, an established marketing team when I came in, but the executive leadership team was really looking to scale the marketing function in order to respond to a massive amount of growth within the company. And um, again, bringing out that toolkit saying, okay, how can I take what I've learned and apply it in a new way And so one of the things I did when I first came in at Beacon was I went on a listening tour and I spent, my first three weeks were fully mapped out for me. I had this very um, robust onboarding itinerary and I had asked for it to be robust because I really wanted to dive in and, and fully understand, you know, what was marketing doing well? What could we be doing better? Where was there an opportunity to build out the team or potentially some new roles and how exactly do we best respond to all the feedback, right? So this listening tour for me was really critical to gather feedback from key stakeholders, inclusive of everyone from the property management company, the development company, other service centers, which is what we call sort of our home office teams, um, think IT, HR, et cetera. Our on-site teams, I actually visited a bunch of properties because that was really important that I get out on the real estate, meet the teams, hear what they thought marketing was doing well or not. And then I asked the marketing team. I, I really wanted to make sure that my team felt like they had a voice to say, here's where you know I, I feel like I'm thriving and here's where I'm really struggling. So sort of what's going well, what can we do better? Um, and that was the theme for this listening tour kind of tying it all together, but was able to distill all of that feedback. And as a result, created two teams within the marketing service center, what I call two sides of the house are kind of our agency, but really doubled the size of the team in one year. So it was a lot of growth and change in response to a lot of growth and change.
0: Right, right. Let's let's pause there for a second, because I think that's a really important lesson to punctuate. And that is it doesn't even need to be when you're transitioning into a new role. I think anyone can do it in their existing role is to make the decision to listen. And I love how you call it a listening tour.
1: Um, <laughs> I wish I could say I coined that term, but I, I heard it somewhere and I said, oh my gosh, it's so much better than like a roadshow or... Really yeah, road roadshow.
0: Right? <laughs> exactly. But listening tour, like, it's a simple concept, right? But I think Anyone in a leadership role, you could be a manager, you could be a director, you could be a CEO, C-level. Being able to take a step back and just listen and gather that feedback I think is really important at any level of leadership. And clearly when you move into a role like you did at Beacon, being able to gather all that intel before starting to impart imparting in your knowledge and experience and kind of like, you know, making decisions on behalf of the team. I think that's really, really important. And so kudos to you for doing that. I think that it speaks to how you approach leadership and when it comes to the bigger picture of operations for a for an organization like Beacon, that's, that's really important. Hey, listeners, just a quick reminder that today's episode is brought to you by our company, Authentic the full-service brand and digital marketing studio specializing in real estate development and leasing. If you weren't aware, I wanted to let you know about how our team adds value to all of your projects. Because Authentic has been architected with the entire real estate development lifecycle in mind, we sit in parallel with your strategy, marketing, rendering, digital, and leasing needs beginning at day zero. To learn more about how we can help elevate your next project, or to keep existing projects stabilized, visit our website for more information at authenticff.com. So you, you took the team from roughly five to 10 people, doubled it in size. Talk to us about those two sides of the house. How does Beacon function? Like what are the sort of ins and outs of the marketing team um, at Beacon today? Yeah, um, I'd love to tell you more about that. So we have these two
1: teams within the marketing service center. And although there are two distinct teams, the team as a whole, the service center as a whole is incredibly collaborative and that's by design. So um, one team uh, we call performance and pricing and their primary goal is really to provide proactive support to our biggest internal customer, which is the management company. That team focuses on revenue management, pricing strategy, and really overall property performance. Have a a director with operations expertise. Uh, She was a regional property manager before swinging to the marketing side. And I I really value that experience because she thinks like an operator. And Mm -hmm. her two regional marketing managers each oversee about 75 properties. And um, so they're out on site, they're working with regional leadership, really um, making sure that we're providing that proactive support, which is hard to do if you don't have people that can regularly travel and interact and, and really um, get out onto the real estate and understand how the teams are, are doing and where there's an opportunity to add some value. Um, we also have an analyst on that team with really deep knowledge of all of our technology platforms, They're able to pull reporting and, and kind of inform some of the decision-making that needs to happen to support the, the management company in more detail. But that team does market research. It's, it's really um, very much focused on the property management company and kind of, um, bridges over to the development company as well. Um, we have both within Beacon, and so making sure that as we're working with properties, as they go through the development phase, that they're well positioned once yeah. they shift. So it's a the very, is it, it's a, it sounds so, like it's
0: a very data driven yeah. side of the marketing team. Yes. How do you, if you don't mind me asking and, and feel free to say, Hey, you know, We're not going to talk about that here because I know some groups don't really want to dive into it, but I know that this is something that you um, are passionate about. And that is uh, kind of the the technology stack and, and to some extent where that technology stack is headed, having two sides of the house and having this one side be so focused on technology and reporting and analytics. Clearly, there are some hurdles today with access to data and really fully understanding the customer journey and sort of these touch points and how attribution works and that in many cases, how it doesn't work and where it breaks down. What's your approach to that side of the house right now for your team, those, you know, that 50% of the team. And, and is that changing at all um, kind of into 2023?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. The The short answer is it's a work in progress. Um, we are actually planning on mapping out the customer journey in full as one of our strategic 2023 goals. Um, And that is a collaborative effort between IT, marketing, compliance, administration, um, the property management team, of course, and really thinking about all the different touch points that a potential renter goes through, um, you know, from sort of the awareness or consideration stage all the way through to when they eventually leave us. And so we're thinking about mapping that and then what does the appropriate technology look like? To be able to support that. So that is very much um, on the front burner for us. And I think will likely involve some changes in how we think about the tech stack and both for um, our internal teams, especially the teams who are working on the front lines at the properties, um, but also for all of the service yeah. centers working on the back side of that process.
0: Yeah, big big theme for sure. With a lot of groups um, heading into 2023, it was discussed at length at Optech this year, and um, a lot of smart people trying to figure out ways forward, especially given some of the changes coming down with uh, third-party cookies and um, you know some of the the changes with Google and so forth. So interesting times for sure. Let's let's keep things moving though, because I, I want to. There's a lot of good stuff to get to. Marketing and brand is the other side of the house. What is that marketing and branding team focused on at Beacon?
1: So, marketing and brand within Beacon focuses um, on what a lot of people think of as traditional marketing. They collaborate with our performance and pricing team on an ongoing basis, working to support all the properties, but then they also support corporate branding. And so, the, the Beacon community's brand and that brand voice, and how do we talk about the work that we're doing, both internally and externally? So, there's a lot of focus on communications. PR, social media, reputation management, Um, that team. I've got uh, a VP, a director of marketing, a communications manager, and a graphic designer. Um, And so there's really a ton of focus um, within those two teams together on um, making sure our properties have what they need. And so if our regional marketing managers are out on site and they say, you know, this property needs um, some new collateral and maybe a refresh on signage and, some website updates, and we've got to take a look at their advertising campaigns, then those requests are going into our marketing and branding team and, again, collaborating um, to make sure that deliverables are picked up and fine-tuned and brought back to the teams in a timely manner. So it's it's really, um, everything's been working incredibly well. i um, really excited about all of the work that the teams have been able to achieve together. I also have a marketing assistant who floats between those two teams. And um, I like to say she's the glue that keeps us together. <laughs> yeah. Um, and really make sure that the collaboration is, is happening to the fullest.
0: Yeah. I uh, I love that saying. I actually use that a lot myself. Is yeah. um, We have a project manager that I like to say is the, is the glue that keeps things together moving forward. <laughs> well, let's talk about, I, I, I want to kind of, um, I had a couple things to chat about here with regards to team building. Um, mm-hmm. One of them has to do with the remote workplace or the hybrid workplace, depending on definitions. And then also just from a leadership perspective, hiring and onboarding talent in a very remote first environment these days. Let's start with the building a team aspect of that question. How is that set up at Beacon? You know, Is, is everyone fully remote at this point? Is everyone in the office? Is it a, just a mishmash of of the two? <laughs> the
1: short answer is that some members of the marketing team are fully remote. Um, And others of us live around Boston and we sometimes come into the office. We do have an office um, downtown in Boston. Uh, We also have regional offices in other parts of the country, in um, New York and in Pennsylvania. So um, depending on where people are located, they're in the office or they're working remotely. Um, Our onsite team members are in the office. And so we're aware of that and make sure that we are visible no matter where we're working. And so there are a number of folks on the marketing team that, again, travel to visit properties on a regular basis. I think that's really important um, to kind of go back to what I said earlier, to be where the action is and make sure that we're hearing what the properties really need firsthand. So I would say Beacon as a whole, most of our service center teams are hybrid, um, where again, some people are coming into the office and some are remote. And that's been, I think, a lot of learning for us and for a lot of other companies too, because I think it's fairly new since COVID, um, where there are all these new ways of working that are are coming to light.
0: You had mentioned to me that as you were onboarding yourself into Beacon and and starting to sort of hire and onboard additional talent for your marketing team, um, you had a lot of support with... Beacon's devoted talent acquisition team, which I thought was, you know, obviously that's extremely helpful for, for you and the, the rest of the leadership. But you also mentioned that you were able to come to some, some conclusions rather quickly with regards to this entire sort of map of remote slash hybrids slash hiring slash onboarding. What were some of those conclusions, if you don't mind me putting you on the spot, or maybe a conclusion that comes to mind? Because it's obviously very different now than it was, you know, ten years ago when everyone was in an office. What were you seeing, and, and what have you sort of learned from from these changes in recent years?
1: So, I think for me, one of the biggest things I realized was I onboarded into Beacon completely remotely. Um, I, I joined about a year and a half ago, and at that time. COVID was very much in full swing, and Beacon said remote until further notice. And so I had never done that before. But for me, it was such a positive experience. And one of the biggest things I realized was technology allows many of us to do a lot incredibly productively from wherever. And so when I was thinking about how do I build out the team? I was location agnostic <laughs>
0: we'll call Yeah,
1: say, you know, it, our team members don't have to be in the Boston area in order to be successful in the marketing service center roles. Um, particularly for the regional marketing managers that we hired, they're going to be traveling. And so it was more important to me that those roles really, uh, bring the expertise and the location we could be flexible on. So um, yeah. we were really lucky to find um, some fantastic candidates and, and hired two, and neither of them live in Boston and it's worked mm. out great.
0: You've told me that your leadership style was to hire really smart people and then let them do their jobs with that. Yes. Is that a good summation of, of how you <laughs> approach leadership?
1: <laughs> yes. I, I think that's a great summation. Um, you know, I, I, I really am a big proponent of trying to be a resource for my team and a sounding board, but I, and I hope my team sees that, sees me in that way, but I, I don't like micromanaging. I don't think it's motivating. I really try to empower everyone um, that works within marketing to be problem solvers and, 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 think about um, better ways to do our work. And the whole team, again, is, is collaborative by nature. And so there's a lot of, I think, peer sounding boards happening on a regular basis where people are bouncing ideas off of each other. And I think that's a fantastic way to work, particularly when you are kind of a remote first team as we are. I think being able to reach out to peers and collaborate is really important because you can't just walk down the hall when you're remote first team the same way that you can when you're in the office. So I, I think that to me is a leader, allowing people to do that and giving them the space um, and the resources to do that. I think is a win for everyone.
0: That is the 100% the same viewpoint. I think we take it authentic. We've been, we've been yeah. actually been fully remote for nine years and. Setters. Before remote was cool. Right. Um, before COVID forced a lot of remote stuff to happen. But yeah, um, I, I would agree that the most challenging part for us, um, when it comes to, especially the creative teams, I think are being that we are remote. It's hard to get that kind of water cooler, you know, kind of walk by, you know, chat about some, some ideas or some solutions. And I think it's really important to foster that, um, environment where, you know, Hey, you need to go out and kind of do this for yourself. I'm not going to micromanage you. I'm not going to tell you what to do. There are ways to get inspiration, to draw new ideas, to, um, Connect with your peers, as you said, to still make it a, a flourishing uh, creative team. But that is a that's a really great point because that's a that's a big challenge, I think, for most marketing and creative teams today that are especially remote. Yes. Well, I want to touch on one other thing here because I think it's cool. I think other other groups should do this with regards to leadership. You have this thing called Friday Wins, and um, I think you said this wasn't your idea, but you stole it, which I think. Stealing yes. ideas like this are completely fine. So I think we should, uh, you know, offer this off to anyone listening. Um, Friday wins. Tell us what that is and like why you know why that's so fun and and um, a, a cool thing for the team.
1: Yeah. Again, I think there's um, collaboration and inspiration is everywhere, right? So our senior vice president of community engagement actually brought this idea to the senior leadership team within Beacon, and I adopted it um, for the marketing team. So it is completely optional, but every Friday we have, uh, we use Microsoft Teams internally. And so I have a channel for Friday wins and it's optional, but every Friday, everyone will drop into this chat and share a win for the week. Um, Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, but I always find it incredibly inspiring and it's a really great and fun way to close out the week. And I think, you know, having all this content in one devoted place for me as the team lead, it's a makes me really proud to be able to scroll back in time and look at all of the successes that the team shares. Um, I, I feel like I should make a, maybe a coffee table book out of it or <laughs> um something, but it's it's really it's awesome. Um, and I think it, you know, seeing what other team members are working on and things that happened that week that they're proud of um I think is just a really fantastic way to close out the week and refocus and get ready for the week
0: ahead too. Mm. Well, as we begin to wrap up here, I want to hear your thoughts on female leadership because I I brought it up earlier in the conversation and I want to make sure that um, we touched on it before we, we end the conversation, you know, female leadership, not just in the real estate industry itself, but more importantly within the culture that we have here in America. I know you're a member of chief, which I was able to kind of dive into a little bit more um, over the last few months, really great organization for anyone listening. Definitely check out chief. You can speak a little bit more of that as well, Sarah, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on leading as a woman. And, you know, I think set a different way, pulling forward future female leaders and, and, and how that is woven into your day-to-day week to weeks.
1: I'll start by saying beacon has an incredible employee focused culture. I am grateful every day for, um, that they actively support my development and other leaders as well. Um, certainly not limited to me alone, but supporting my development to become a stronger leader. And um, my my chief membership has really been a key part of that. For those that aren't familiar, chief is solely dedicated to supporting and elevating women executives. It is a robust networking community and so much more. Um, I think when I joined, it was probably seven thousand people and it's now gone global. And I think it's close to 20,000 women. And I heard the other day that there's a wait list of 60,000 women who are interested in Chief, which is just mind boggling, um, but shows the, uh, I think the, the need and the desire to have a community to lean on. And so I, I'm really proud to be part of Chief and I'm actively involved in that community. Um, so there's opportunities to uh, network, of course, but um, learning, asking and giving advice, um, it's its really been instrumental for me, especially um, being new at Beacon to just uh, think about leadership and, and how I'm showing up for my team and for my company.
0: Yeah. And talk to us a little bit about to um, the education side of that coin. It's kind of all wrapped in the same... Um, same conversation, maybe, you know, the other side of the coin, as I said, when it comes to educating other women who maybe aren't as far along as you in their careers, how do you approach that? And does Beacon do anything specifically that allows you to to engage either, you know, within the company or, or outside of the organization?
1: Great question. I am passionate about education. I always have been. Um, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. going back to school at night, you know, working full time, I, I think they're there you can call it lifelong learning, um, but I I am passionate about education and um, trying to bring other women up. And I, I should say, it's not just limited to women. I, I think there's always something to give back. And I, I try to think about that and how we can all learn from each other. But Beacon has a group of director level and above uh, female associates. And we formed this group within a company to be able to connect. Um, still kind of a, a newish group, but we've had some really good conversations and have some time set aside in the next few weeks to start to plan for 2023. Some of the things we've done this year is, are we've launched a book club where we read professionally slanted books and then get together and talk about what did we learn? What were our takeaways? I always learn something from those conversations, um, even though we, truly just read the same book. <laughs> um, you know, we, how different people interpret different things is always so interesting to me. And it's always um I love those conversations. We have some volunteer events in the works for um, our, our women leaders within Beacon to get together and volunteer as a group. Some networking, um, some get togethers, you know, I'm I'm really it's again a fledgling group, but something that um I'm really happy that the Beacon team has allowed us to, to pull together and to do this and I'm really excited for what we've got planned in 23 I think um, it's a really good way to get exposure to other leaders within the company and again I am I think everyone always has something to share um, and I, I think that's a really important message but important to have the venue and the opportunity to do that
0: yeah very important to hear everyone's point of view hear where they're coming from see what they took away from. Within conversations like that, I think that's a great, great platform. Let's uh, let's start to wrap up here. I, I want to hear uh, briefly forward-looking thoughts. Um, it's been kind of a crazy year in 2022. As we look ahead to 2023, you know, maybe through the the marketing and str- strategy lens, what mm-hmm. are you keeping in mind? What are you looking ahead to? And maybe like, what are you kicking around in in that head of yours over there?
1: I think the um, overall. The overarching theme is digital transformation. Um, definitely at the forefront of my mind. Beacon hired a new chief information officer at roughly the same time I joined the company last spring. And probably not surprisingly, um, a lot of marketing's initiatives overlapped with our IT teams. So the next 12 months and probably well beyond will involve a lot of digital transformation work. And I think sort of the... Main piece I really want to highlight, and I think um, it's worth driving home is that digital transformation work is primarily aimed at making the lives of our on-site teams easier and more engaging. So, how do we streamline the work that they're doing every day? And in turn, we can improve the overall customer experience. But I think for us it's really on-site teams first. Um, You know, you want to make sure that your teams are engaged, they feel like they have the tools they need to succeed, and just you know, the sort of the the icing on the cake is the overall customer experience improves fivefold. Um I think you, you can't put the cart before the horse on this one.
0: Absolutely. No, that's a great, that's a great way to put it. One of my favorite parts of the conversation is this rapid fire, just right before we finish up. Got a couple of questions here for you. Number one, most exciting shift in the real estate industry in the last year. That's um, mm. it's a big question, but anything in particular come to mind?
1: For me, I think the ability to easily stack technology. Um, you know We've always been able to stack. We all know that. Um, but I think there's so much focus on how partners play in the sandbox together um, to be sort of use a widely used analogy. But I think for us, we are starting to think about this customer journey. I mentioned that a little while ago. And as part of that, um, starting to evaluate CRM platforms. So I think for me, one of the things that I'm really thinking about is how those options in the market will integrate, you know, not just serve as a CRM alone, but how do they integrate and how do they stack with other things like chatbots and lead nurturing tools, call centers, um, again, all really in the name of simplifying the leasing process for both our associates and for our renters.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's flip to the other side of the brain for a second. And let's talk about one book that you would recommend right now to the listeners.
1: Oh, that's hard. <laughs> um, I can't say just one. I am a voracious reader. And honestly, I'm usually reading at least three books at once. Um, thank goodness for... Phones where we can carry our books everywhere we go uh, because it's just you know my brain kind of multitasks in that way sometimes but um, I will recommend two I just finished a couple weeks ago Stolen Focus by Johan Hari which was an incredible book he kind of takes himself off the grid and really thinks about why are we unable to focus our brains and what can we do about it? So for someone uh, who feels like you're always on, um, I I found that book to be like a big pause button and to say, hey, you know, how do I show up for my colleagues? How do I show up for my family? How how do I think about that and really um, maybe make some changes? So that was one. Um, My second book, and I'm actually reading this as part of my... um, Beacon women in leadership book club, we are reading radical candor by Kim Scott. Um, so I've read that book before, but, um, always think there's something new to learn when you go back and read a book again. So that's, that's my, my second recommendation.
0: If you don't mind me asking, are you someone, so you said you read, you know, two or three books at a time. Are you someone who can in plans on reading kind of front to back, or are you like a skip around? Are you kind of like a Chapter two, scan chapter three, I'm I'm getting what I need out of chapter five. Or are you someone who, you know, very specifically makes sure they read through every chapter? I'm always really curious about, especially those in, in in leadership roles um or executive roles, that it's kind of comes down to like, what do you have time to do? And I'm always yes. curious how you how that input works for you. How does it, how does it end up going for you?
1: I am normally front to back. However, I recently picked up a book about the metaverse and I uh, <laughs> in that book because I, I feel um, there's so much to learn and I am really trying to wrap my brain around metaverse in general, but um, I think, how does it impact marketing? How does it impact the real estate industry? Um, you know, there's, there I have so many questions. And so I, I did, yeah. I skipped around that book a little bit. Um, and I'm not sure if that was helpful or not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, there's so much to learn and I, I'm just sort of dipping my, my toe in to, to get some exposure, but, um, normally I'm a front to back.
0: Okay. Okay. Sarah, thank you so much for your time. I know that you are a very busy woman. Um, there's only one more thing to do here and that is to roll out that red carpet for you. Tell the world what you're up to and where they can find you online.
1: Thank you. Uh, this has been really a fun conversation. And I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I um, am a proud mom to a teen daughter and when I am not working I spend a fair time a fair amount of time shuttling her around so kind of like this um, unpaid uber driver. <laughs> it's my after hours yep. gig um, <laughs> um, I love to travel and I am so happy that the world is opening back up so um, in a couple of weeks I'm actually, uh, headed to Iceland, which is my is something that I've been cool. planning with my daughter for a couple of years, since 2019, actually pre-COVID. So we're finally making it up and, um, and super, super excited.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Have a great trip. And Thank for, you. The, for the listeners, we will have uh, full links in the show notes. So links to Beacon Communities, uh, Sarah's social profiles, a couple other extras here, including those books that we chatted about. So be sure to check that out for more information. Once again, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: Transforming Cities is brought to you by Authentic, the full-service brand and digital marketing studio that specializes in real estate development and leasing. Visit us online at AuthenticFF.com. If you're a new listener, you can follow along at AuthenticFF.com slash podcast or simply subscribe through your favorite podcast app.